just returning home. I would like to inform you that they are hiring. Maison, M-A-Y-Z-O-N, Maison is hiring uh, for assembly workers. And if you need a job and you are a returning citizen, you really want to give them an opportunity to hire you. They are making excellent money, and I strongly encourage you to dial 302-326-0617, extension 9010. That is the direct line to the Human Resource Talent Specialist, 302 326-0617, extension 9010, Maison, M-A-Y-Z-O-N, they are hiring returning citizens for assembly work, and it's my understanding that the pay is absolutely fabulous. If I weren't so busy and doing 100,000 other things, multitasking, I'd probably apply for a job myself at Maison. It seems like a wonderful place to work, and I've met the people personally, and I must say, I was quite impressed. Also, remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you or someone that you love is dealing with uh, an addiction, we have help for you here at Central Baptist Church. 9th and Pine Street every Tuesday, 645 until approximately 8 o'clock p.m. We are helping anyone who walks through those doors. You are welcome. And if you do not live in the Wilmington area, perhaps you're somewhere outside of Wilmington and you cannot get to Central Baptist Church on 9th and Pine, but you are dealing with a loved one in an addictive process, please Reach out and get them the help that they need. People are walking around traumatized, stressed, because life has done whatever life has done. And people are stressed and traumatized and turning to addictions in order to medicate, self-medicate the pain and the trauma. People need help and do not feel for one moment that you're in this alone. You are not alone. There is help and resources waiting to help you. Whether you come to Ninth and Pine or if you're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, wherever you live, if you live in Africa, there is treatment available to help you overcome your addiction. So please seek help. You're not alone. People will help you. That's important for us to all understand. This is a time, especially post-COVID uh, or in the COVID season or whatever this is. I don't even know what it is anymore. Uh, that people have just been traumatized from sitting in the house, locked down, as if we were incarcerated in our homes, uh, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't be outside. We had to be literally locked down. That's what they call it, the lockdown of covid and uh, that has traumatized so many people in so many different ways. And now they are coming out of the gates. Now that we're allowed back out, people are self-medicating. Uh, some people are not self-medicating, but we see the trauma of our youth. 
We see the trauma that it has caused, COVID has caused, amongst our young people. We cannot expect young people to mentally deal with trauma the way we do as adults, because even we as adults, we don't have it all the way together. All right? Even adults need help uh, from other adults to help us get through the trauma that COVID uh, literally has put on us. Some people lost family members. Uh, you lost loved ones. We went through hell in the prison system, which is certainly something that's important to me. I'm very passionate about what is taking place on a humanitarian level inside of America's prisons. When you think, uh, according to the 2018 statistics, the 2018 statistics tell us clearly 6.8 million Americans were being held captive in America's prisons in 2018 to 2021. The new numbers will come out uh, next year, I suppose. Uh, but for now, the Department of Justice, as well as the Bureau of Justice, the statistics tell us 6.8 million people held captive in America's prisons. And that that number is stifling. It is absolutely stifling. 56% of those 6.8 million, 68, 6.8 million people, 56% of that 6.8 million were brown-skinned people. Brown-skinned people. 56% of them are incarcerated. Brown-skinned people are incarcerated at five times the rate of their white counterparts. And many of us know it is racially motivated. Many of us know it starts in the courtrooms, the rooms of court where the judge is there, prosecutor and defense, and the judges throw sentences out. Far too often, they throw extended, over-sentenced, long-term sentences on brown-skinned people while our Hispanic and our whites are not deemed as much of a threat, and so therefore, their sentences are much shorter. And I have some numbers uh, for you on that. Again, uh, in 2018, we had 590,300 black or brown or golden people incarcerated in America's prisons. Uh, we had 330,000 Hispanic Latino Americans incarcerated and 268,000 white people were incarcerated in 2018, from 2018 to 2021. These are the numbers and the statistics that we have from the Bureau of Justice, as well as the Department of Justice. These are their statistics here in America. I have to ask you, it begs to ask, what is the color of justice? What is the color of justice? When we can't find justice in America's courtrooms, because the judges have their own racial prejudices and biases, uh, and they're not sentencing people based on the crime. They're sentencing people based on their color. At what point, America, do we say enough is enough? 
And it's so sad, the stories, uh, when people talk to me, and I talk to people all the time, people talk to me and tell me their personal stories. Uh, I just recently, even today, was talking with a, uh, another person who shared their intimate story with me. They had two sons. One of them is making six figures, went on to college and now making six figures uh, in their job. The other son has been in and out and back and forth in the prison. And one of the things that was so interesting in this person's story and I'm sure that you have stories as well that might be able to validate or confirm this particular story. When his other son was arrested, he was arrested at the time. Uh, he was the passenger in the seat. The driver was a white female driver. It, the car belonged to her. I believe there were some drugs, perhaps, in the vehicle. They arrested the passenger, the black male, and let the white female, the owner of the vehicle, they let her go home. She went home. The black guy went to jail. How often do we see this in America? And although I say bravo to our elected officials, the public servants, that we vote into those offices, I say bravo for those that are seriously committed to changing this justice system. I say bravo to them who are truly working sincerely to change it. But it, who is addressing the judges in the courthouses? How are we holding judges accountable to their discretion, judicial discretion? Who is the oversight uh, in all of America's courtrooms, who is doing the oversight of looking at every sentence that these judges are handing down? Why does Billy Bob uh, get an ankle bracelet and gets to go home on probation while uh, Hanif and, and these kinds of, of names, uh, black people, brown people, are going to be sentenced to incarceration for numerous amounts of years? Why is that? I personally can tell you my story. The young white boy sentenced in the courtroom by Judge T. Henley Graves on the same day that my son was sentenced for the same exact crime, this young white boy had robbed a um, grocery store. Young white boy robbed a grocery store. The judge gave him six years, six years of incarceration. My son robs a liquor store and is given 25 years of incarceration. Where is the justice in that? Where is it? And far too many of us uh, brown and golden people, we know this story so intimately. We know the story too intimately. And incarceration destroys families, ladies and gentlemen. It destroys families. How many of you, just raise your hand wherever you are right now, just raise your hand. How many people out there listening to the sound of my voice can tell me that they are the mother or grandmother of an incarcerated person, a loved one? Take a moment, get yourself together and answer that question. How many women are the mothers or grandmothers of incarcerated loved ones? Now, answer this question. Same, same group of ladies, women, 
mothers and grandmothers, you have an incarcerated loved one in prison. How many of you suffer a relationship with the children, the seed, the posterity of the incarcerated person? How many of you are suffering to have a relationship with their children? I can raise my hand. Today is my firstborn granddaughter's 18th birthday. Today she turns 18. She's a little Leo princess. Someday she'll be a full-grown lioness. But right now she is an 18-year-old lion princess, Leo princess. And I am not at her birthday party. I've not been invited or allowed to her birthday party. Is there any other mom or grandmother out there who can relate to what I'm relating to? Is there anyone out there who can feel my feelings, who can have empathy for where I am in that scenario? I have been cut off from my grandchildren because mama went on and found someone new and that's fine. God bless her. We pray she's happy with her new love. But why did I have to be cut off from the grands as a result of her moving on uh, with a new love in her life? She and my son are no longer connected. Why did I have to be disconnected from my grandchildren because she disconnected from their father? To me, that's just some sorry, sorry stuff. That's really pathetic for a woman to behave in such a manner because it takes a village to raise a child. And how much help could I be to that mother and those children today if I were allowed to participate in their lives? Incarceration destroys families. It destroys families, black families, brown hued families. Ladies and gentlemen, it's got to stop. And only, it's only going to stop when you and I stand up and vote in the elected officials, the public servants who, are, who have the courage and the confidence to fight against the judges who are racist and biased. People don't get incarcerated, uh, go straight from being captured by the police straight to the jail uh, without going through the court system. You've got to go through the court system. The prosecutors, uh, the defense attorneys or public servant, public defenders, whatever. You've got to go through the process. And tell me if I'm missing something. Feel free to co correct me if I'm wrong. I am open to be corrected if I'm wrong. I'm not the smartest cookie in the jar. I just do a lot of reading. I read, I research, I study, I, I learn, I want to learn, I talk to people, I find out, I gather information. So correct me if I'm wrong, but is it or is it not true that no one is sentenced to incarceration unless the judge hits the gavel? Is that true? Don't you have to go through the judge in order to be sentenced to a certain amount of time? in prison. So how is it that we have these old, antiquated, xenophobic judges sitting on America's 
court benches. Remember, the bench is the is the American word for the original Latin word bonk. Bench means bonk in Latin. It bench is a derivative from the word bonk. B a n c. Bonk in Latin means bank. So the judge is sitting on the bank, the bench, incarcerating people based on what? Are, are you are you sensing people to prison based on their on their what the color of their skin because the color of their skin is connected to their QCIP number C U S QCIP C U S I P QCIP number which is connected to your social security number the last four digits tells you what color you are how old you are where you came from where you currently live those four last four digits of your social security number tell the government everything they need to know about you so how is it that billy bob gets to go home the little white boy goes home on probation and the brown child is incarcerated for years the judge has to be held accountable for that. Who's holding the judges in America accountable for their sentencing? Who's doing the oversight? Ladies and gentlemen, this is your opportunity to vote in the elected officials, the people that you want to put into office, who can check and balance the judge. Because no one is check and balancing the judges. Everybody's just letting the judge do whatever the judge wants to do and get away with it. Who's checking them? Tell me if I'm wrong. Is somebody checking them and I've been remiss in, in, in recognizing that? The way I see it, and, and, and again, I apologize if my eyes are rose-colored glasses in all of this. Maybe I'm personally impacted, and so therefore I'm not seeing clearly. Can someone correct me if I'm wrong? Who is checking and balancing the judge's decision on sentencing? Who's doing that? How many antiquated xenophobic judges are sitting on benches across America sentencing brown-skinned people 56%? Of the 6.8 million people incarcerated, 56% of them are brown-skinned people. Somebody tell me, what am I missing? Tell me, what am I missing? What don't I see that you see? Tell me, because I don't see it, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm passionate about it. It wasn't until it happened to me that it knocked on my door. And I became the victim of that, of a judge's discretion that I began to open my eyes and see truth, at least my truth. And when you ask most white people, what do they think of incarceration, prison incarceration? And, and let me change that. I'll say when we talk to our uh, white folks that are affluent, are affluent white folks. And again, I'm not saying all, because all of us are not created the same. And far too many of us white folks, uh, they definitely, you know, they're, they're associating themselves more and more 
with brown-skinned people. They've got little brown-skinned grandbabies running around. Okay? So they're changing their opinion and thoughts and viewpoints on incarceration and black and brown and golden people based on the fact that now they've got a black, brown, or golden person in their family. And their sons and their daughters are going to school and making best friends and having camaraderies with black, brown, and golden children. How many teenagers are hanging out, you know, just doing their thing uh, in diversity with each other? Lots and lots of kids are, are, are coming together. It's us old fogies or old stuck-up fogies that need to change our perspective on this whole color racism thing. What is the color of justice? What is the color of justice? But how long will it take to change it until we get those little 18-year-old white boys grow up, go to school, go to college, get their law degree and become judges themselves in order to change this racial profiling, this biased profiling and sentencing of people going to prison? Do we have to wait for the 18-year-old white boy to grow up and become 30 years old before he can become a judge? 35 or 40 years old before he can be a judge and we get fair and equal justice under the law? Do we have to wait? And thank God that the 18-year-old boy will grow up and become a judge and give us fair and equal law uh, justice under the law. Because all of his... Uh, generation will then receive the benefits of that. But what about now? What about right now? What about it? How many of our little young brown children are currently being taken into the prison because they've done something uh, inappropriate and definitely inappropriate behavior and they certainly need a timeout. That's what white folks call it. They, they call it timeout. Jimmy, go to your timeout chair. You've misbehaved. Go to timeout. You have to sit here for five minutes. That's the way white folks raise their children. That's not always how brown people do with their children. We will smack the crap out of you and tell you to go sit down and you better shut up and stop crying. Because the world's not going to be easy on you and neither will I. This is what brown people, this is uh, much of how brown people uh, deal with our children. We're not taking no mess. Little Jimmy go and sit down in the corner for time out. What? Time out? What the hell is a time out? What the hell is a time out? Black people for black people, time out is a coma. I heard, I heard a comedian say that once. Black folks our age, we don't know what a time out is. We, we know what a coma is or to be smacked out until you knocked out. Because mama didn't play that mess. But white folks, they tell little little baby, uh, go sit in the timeout chair. And then they grow up to be serial killers. They grow up to be Jeffrey Dahmers because they sat in the timeout instead of mom smacking the crap across their head for when they killed the dog, the neighbor's dog. Or hung the neighbor's cat in a tree and, and really got an enjoyment from that. That's a sign of a serial killer. You need to correct that immediately. And it's not going to be no little timeout chair. But however, the differences are between brown families and white families, 
We raise our children based on what we think is right or how we were raised and, 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 the, and it just goes on from there. Whether it's a timeout chair, you got smacked across your butt, whichever way your parent raised you. My point is simply this. This is my whole point, ladies and gentlemen. Judge's discretion. A judge's discretion leaves it wide open for that judge to do anything they want to do and put it under the category of judicial discretion. So he can let little Jimmy, uh, baby, white Jimmy go home. But little brown Jimmy is going to jail. When is that going to change? When are we going to change the laws of a judge's discretion? 6.8 million people incarcerated, according to the statistics of 2018. 6.8 million. There's only 60 billion people on the planet. 6.8 million of them incarcerated right here in the United States of America. Most of that is racially motivated. 56% of the 6.8 million are brown-skinned people. I think I'm having a hot flash, ladies and gentlemen. My emotions, I think I'm having a hot flash. My emotions, I'm feeling some kind of way. I'm feeling some kind of way. Because I am voting for the politicians, the elected officials, the public servants who are going to hold judges accountable to their judicial discretion. If I don't vote for any other purpose, as much as health care is important to me, senior citizens, our children, our posterity, equal rights, uh, restitution, all of these things are issues that are important to me. But as I sit here on this day, August 13th, 2022, I can only think that the most important issue to me when I vote is which elected officials are going to hold judges accountable for their judicial discretion. This is Rochelle Wilson. These are my thoughts. This is my intellectual property. These are my viewpoints. They do not belong to anyone but me. They are neither supported nor are they unsupported by WHGE 95.3 FM. Your Black-owned, Black-operated news information radio station, the first and only in the state of Delaware, here in the city of Wilmington. And we do want you to pass the word, get the word out, let more people know that we exist. People need to take pride. People need to take pride in every single brown, black, brown, and golden accomplishment. Every step up the prong of the ladder, take pride in that. Take pride in that. Because today, we are the only but there's a little black boy and a little black girl somewhere in the state of Delaware who, as I sit here now behind this microphone, they are devising and creating ways 
to become journalists and open their own radio station. And we love that. We love that. We want to uplift our children to be the greatest that they can be. And if they create an infraction in America at 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 years old, if they make a mistake, we, I, you, want them, need them to be judged fairly, equal and fair under the law. Now, mind you, we know, we've been talking about it, the political power hour. I've made it very clear. You all know it by now. If you didn't know it before, and many of you already did, but those that didn't, now you do know. The United States Constitution, the Constitution of the United States, the Delaware Constitution, the Virginia Constitution, uh, the New Hampshire Constitution, every state has its own constitution. These laws were written in the 1700s, the 1800s. They were not laws that were written for the benefit of brown-skinned people. So now we have legislators who are writing laws that are inclusive for us, for brown-skinned people. And slowly but surely, the wheels are changing. But how long will it take? How long will it take to change the laws of the wheel that has been in motion for hundreds of years? Racism has been woven into the fabric of America. Woven into the fabric of America. Historically, we can look at that. And we don't have to go that far back in history to see it. I'll say two words. George Floyd. Breonna Taylor. Orlando Castile. And the name goes on. Trayvon Martin. The, name, the names just go on and on and on. And I'm talking 19, uh, 20, uh, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Racism is alive and well in America. And it's got to stop. Our children are killing each other because they're sick and tired of being sick and tired of the racism and the disparity in economic uh, fortune. Why is it that little Jimmy gets to go to Salesianum uh, and, and become a judge? His father, his mother, you know, the, the wealth that his family has, even though they particularly are not slave owners, if you go far enough back in their generations, you will see that their great generational great-grandfathers were slave owners. And that generational wealth was passed down so yeah, little white Jimmy living in Hocus in Delaware, he can he's afforded the opportunity to become a lawyer, to become a great doctor, to become a judge. But what happens to all of us who are the children, the posterity of the actual slave? 
You've got 276 years on us. No one can deny that. White folks have 276 years of prosperity above us. And they keep moving until we, how are we going to catch up? So our children are sick and tired of being sick and tired of fighting and scratching and scrubbing their way, trying to get to the top, trying to pay to go to school. Uh, no one's paying for their college. They got to get uh, grants and loans and loans have to be paid back. And that's a whole nother conversation. If you've never taken out a loan to go to college, woo, baby, do some research on that. It's a whole shenanigan. Do, a, do some research on taking a loan out just to go to college. To try to become a doctor or a judge so you can make six figures. It's not fair. It's not fair. And I know I'm old enough at my age to know that life itself isn't always fair. Life itself is not always fair. I get it. But God darn, there's got to be some equality somewhere in all of this. There's got to be. Tell me where I'm missing it, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't see it. I see the disparities of our young children trying to make it, doing good in high school. I see my little brown babies, 14, 13, 14, 15 year olds, they're not interested in playing with guns. They're not interested in being in a gang. They get their schoolwork done. They go home. They study. They want to be entrepreneurs. They want to be great and successful. They want to make six figures. They want to be doctors and lawyers and scientists and engineers and judges and artists. They're, they want these things. And they're fighting and striving to become that. They're trying to change the past and make their future bright. And we as parents who love them, even though I've been cut off by the mother of my grandchildren, I have no connection with my grandchildren uh, as we sit here today. I, I'm not allowed to connect with them. She's moved on and taking the grandchildren with her. But guess what? Rochelle Wilson is still got a little savings account, a little college fund put off to the side in the corner for her grandchildren, her posterity. Because someday, someday, the great God that I serve is going to open up the doorways and let my grandchildren reconnect with me. And when that happens... I'm going to have money for them to go to college and do the things or start their own business, whatever it is that they're going to do. I'm going to make sure I'm setting up that little nest egg for them now so they'll have it when they're ready for it. And they'll know. They can come to, to grandmom, Nanu, and they'll get that because I've got that for them. Even if I'm sacrificing uh, eating every day, to make sure that I put that $5 away every single uh, week into that savings fund for my grandchildren to go to college. Now, little Jimmy, the White family, they, they, don't, they don't have to struggle because 
mom and dad, they both are doctors or lawyers or something, engineers, and they have lived in great fancy houses and their college money was already secured. So you know that they're going to college. But those same kids that are going to college today, they're going to grow up and become judges. They're going to grow up and become engineers. They're going to grow up and become adults who live in a world that's diversified enough that maybe they won't have those racist uh, biases and bigotries that many of the judges that sit on today's bank, benches, the bank, the bank, the bench, they won't have that. They won't be pressed down with racism that kills and destroys families. I thank God for the for the little white Jimmys that are coming up today or, or Marks and Davids or whatever their names are, Bethany's and all of them. I thank God for them. I thank God for them because they are diversified. Even if they're going to places like Salesianum, which is a predominantly all-male white school and Ursuline Academy. Couldn't think of the name of it. I got it. Ursuline Academy is predominantly an all-white female school specializing in certain things. The top, the best. You get the best at Ursuline. You get the best at Salesianum. These are schools that mom and dad pay into. So you get the best teachers with the best pay. You get the best law labs, the science labs, the art labs. The everything is the best. Versus some of the inner city schools or the, the surrounding Newcastle County schools that are predominantly brown skin or mixture of, of all nationalities of school. Uh, they get mediocre. They get mediocre. But guess what? The teachers that are dedicated to the work and uplifting the children, they're giving their best. Even though they're underpaid and overworked and understaffed. They give their best to raise up our little brown children and white children next to each other, side by side, equal and fair. Everybody gets the same level of education. Now, I don't know what they do at Salesianum, and I'm not positive of everything they do at Ursuline. I've never had the good fortune as a teacher to work in those two schools. Well, I did work at Salesianum for a summer. I had one summer at Salesianum I worked as a teacher. What an experience it was. See, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but when you sit in the role as a teacher, you, take, you, you make a commitment. You take a personal oath to yourself that you don't see color. When you're a teacher, you're there for all the children, regardless of their color. Now, I can't say every teacher does that, but I thank God that I'll leave this earth knowing that I've had the good fortune and the good pleasure of meeting some of the most dedicated teachers I've ever met in my life, black and white. I've seen white teachers take that extra time with their bag on, ready to leave the school, uh, and a black student walks up to him and says, Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so, I don't know what this means, and I don't know how I'm going to get the homework done. 
That teacher has put their bags down, take them off, sit in the classroom for an additional 30 minutes to make sure that that brown student got the information they needed in order to be successful. It's a commitment that you make as a teacher to make sure everybody gets it equal, equal and fair. And they're so often underpaid, so often underpaid. But it's because of teachers like that, it is because of the teachers like that, that our posterity has a fighting shot at success that we too will be afforded the opportunity to become judges and doctors and lawyers and scientists and artists and chemists and engineers. And the list goes on. So thank God for our teeth. Don't be screaming and yelling and fussing at the teacher because your child did something inappropriate, came home and told you half of the story, half of the truth. Now you all mad and hot under the collar, so you're going to go fuss at the teacher. No! Be a mature adult. Sit down and have an intelligent, mature adult conversation with the teacher. Find out what did your student do? What did your child do to cause the infraction that made them get suspended or sit in the corner or in trouble, whatever the situation is? Too often we as parents want to go and fight the teacher, but the teacher didn't do anything wrong. It's your kid. You need to do something about your own child before you go fussing at the teacher. So praise your teachers. Thank your teachers, the teachers of your students, of your little baby kids, black and white, because I've seen all colors. As a high school teacher for 15 years, I've seen all color students do all kinds of things, inappropriate behaviors that they mom and daddy should have known about. So don't fuss at the teacher. Fuss at your child. Have an adult conversation with the teacher. To find out what's going on. And I know I went off on a tangent. But I thought it was important. It's a passion on my heart. For people to understand. In order for our children to be given. Equal and fair justice under the law. That includes their education. So praise your teachers. Thank your teachers. Pat your teachers on the back. Take them a damn cupcake. And, 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 and something good to drink. And say thank you for tolerating my little baby kid every day. Because trust me, when your kids are not in your presence, you don't have the first clue of what they're up to. You have no clue, ladies and gentlemen. Unless you're wearing a camera, your child is wearing a camera, then of course you would know. But it's because of the teachers that our posterity might have a fighting chance at success. What is the color of justice? What is the color of fair and equal justice under the law? So I'll share this with you because it was important. I'm so happy to announce uh, that uh, House Representative Namdi Chakwocha, Namdi Chakwocha, uh, a person that I knew before they became an elected official, a public servant. They knew me. I knew them. We were both involved in an organization many, many moons ago as young people ourselves called the Rites of Passage, to which Namdi Chakwocha 
was a male mentor for our little brown boys. And one of those little brown boys was my son, Justin. So Namdi, House Representative Namdi Chukwocha, knows Justin from as a little boy, as a child. One of the children that he mentored. And after children reach a certain age, people move on. They move on with their lives and people, things change and whatever. But I had the good fortune of running into brother uh, or house representative Namdi Chukwocha uh, about three, maybe four weeks ago. It may, it may have been four weeks ago. Ran into him as well as uh, Senator Pinckney and a few other people. Uh, I believe it's House Representative Ray. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'm trying to keep it all together in my brain. But these people, I spoke with them. And right there, publicly, they gave me their word that they would do all that they could do within their legal power to help my son to come home. I've also spoken with uh, Senator Elizabeth Tizzy Lockman and, of course, my baby girl, House Representative Melissa Minor Brown. And these people have given me their word, their solemn promise to do all that they're able to do within their scope of political power to advocate for my son, Justin, his release. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, a liquor store robbery is an eight-year, nine-year sentence, and that's with a weapon, which there was no weapon ever found or located. Uh, my son never possessed a weapon. There's no video camera of my son having any kind of a weapon in the liquor store. But technically, it's about nine-year sentence for a robbery with a weapon, with a weapon. My son was sentenced to 25 years of incarceration for this liquor store robbery in a place here in Delaware called Georgetown, Delaware, and anyone who has ever had any legal experiences, who has any lawful knowledge about the difference between the city of Wilmington and the city or the county of Georgetown, Delaware. Georgetown, Delaware is a place where the good old boys still hang out. What are good old boys, if you don't know? The good old boys are where the old xenophobic, racist, biased, bigot judges still sit on the bench and they pass out long-term sentences to black folks like they're passing out candy for trick-or-treat at Halloween. Georgetown, Delaware is country Delaware and they don't like black folks and yet every supermarket you walk in you're gonna find some white woman or white man somewhere with a little teeny black child in their basket in their cart at the shopping market or in tow with them because black and white uh, interracial relationships are very prevalent down there. I don't understand how that can be. And yet there's so much racism. I'm still trying to figure that out. So many little half breed kids walking around with a black daddy and a white mama and white grandparents or whatever. And yet the rate of, of proportion of black people that are over sentenced in Georgetown by the white judges 
is astronomical. I don't know how it happens, but it does. And this is where my son was incarcerated in Georgetown, Delaware. So everybody knows it's a racist or has been, or at least in 2010. Today is 2022. But in 2010, it was a very racist part of Delaware. Extremely racist. Southern good old boys. They don't like the N-I-G-G-E-R people. Right? And anybody brown skin was an N-I-G-G-E-R. They don't like us. They don't like us. And this is how my son received 25 years of incarceration. A racist and bigot judge. Xenophobic sitting on the bench. So Namdi Chakwocha, House Representative Melissa Minor Brown, my baby girl, Senator Elizabeth Tizzy Lockman, another one of my babies. I love her. I support them. Beautiful black women of power. I've recently come into a relationship, not strong, but I'm learning to be in a relationship with uh, Representative uh, Pinckney. I believe it's Senator Pinckney. These people have given me their word. They've looked at the case. They see the racial bias, racism of the sentence that was imposed upon Justin by that racist judge. And they're going to do everything. They promise me they will do everything within their scope of power to help Justin be released from incarceration because he should have never been sentenced to 25 years. They're all familiar with the name T. Henley Graves, Judge T. Henley Graves. We all know him. And anybody you ask, they won't say it publicly uh, because they're afraid of this man. Trust me when I tell you, he had quite a bit of political power. But you don't get to be a sitting bench judge uh, of his stature without some political affiliations. So people in politics were technically afraid of him because of what he could do to their career as a politician. So for the courage of Namdi Chakocha, Melissa Minor Brown, Tizzy Lockman, Marie Pinckney, I say bravo for their courage, for their courage and their confidence as public servants to step up to the plate and make right what someone else did wrong. I sent this out to my senator, which is Darius Brown. But Darius Brown has not returned my calls. He's not returned my emails. Uh, he has not returned my text messages. Because he is the senator for the district to which I live in, obviously he was the first person I reached out to before I reached out to anyone else. I went to him. And because he sits on the committee of judicial over, or once sat on the committee of judicial oversight, I, I'm not sure where he is with that now. I went to him. I asked him for help. I asked him to advocate for my son because you know this is wrong. And he agreed it was wrong. Justin should never have received 25 years for the crime. And yet I cannot get him to return my calls. 
I have not seen him make any steps or strides forward that I know of to advocate for Justin's release. Now, I realize that Senator Darius Brown is running for election. He's had quite a, a history uh, behind him. Good and some a bit uh, confusing. He's great for bringing the money in. How he does that, I don't know. But the man can go out and find money and funding from everywhere. So everybody loves him because he can bring the money in. But all I'm asking, is, I just want you to bring Justin home. Senator Darius Brown, just bring Justin home. Because you have the power, you can do that. You have the connections that you can do that. And yet, you won't even return my calls. You won't even return my text message or my emails. And I feel some kind of way about that. And you're the, you are the senator for my district. So, bravo to the other names that I have mentioned here today. A resounding thank you to each and every one of them for the promise that you made to do the best that you're able to do within your scope of your power and your authority to advocate for Justin coming home. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll end my report with this. Your homework for this, for this week, for the next couple of days, for tonight, simply answer the question, what is the color of justice. I'm Rochelle Wilson. Make some intelligent noise. I am currently writing my book and you will find that on my link tree. Link tree solidus or slash. A slash is a solidus. Uh, M-S-I-N-M-V-T. M-S-I-N-M-V-T. Link tree solidus M-S-I-N-M-V-T. MVT. Check me out on my Patreon form and there you will see that I am writing my book, my story, the memoirs of a mother, a journey through incarceration. You never know. I might say something or give you a piece of information or a jewel that will help you. If you are the mother or the grandmother or father or sister or uncle or cousin of an incarcerated loved one, and there is some malfeasance or egregious uh, circumstances to that, the way I'm dealing with it, perhaps, perhaps, maybe, my book will inspire you in some way. So please, as I continue to write my memoirs, please check me out on the Patreon app. Linktree Solidus M-S-I-N-M-V-T. I'm Rochelle Wilson, W-H-G-E 95.3 FM. Thank you so much for allowing me this time in your presence. Always an honor and a pleasure. God loves you and so too do I. Remember, karma is real. So be good to other people.